0: On episode 56 of The Gem on the Queen's Crown, we're talking about a growing trend in sports that might make it to the local Sunday sports scene, and that's esports or electronic sports if you prefer. In honor of this topic, this is an E episode, and the E this time stands for educational and hopefully entertaining. Welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, a podcast talking local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit the slash podcast for every available platform to listen, as well as the press kit for the local Sunday sports podcast. For updates on the podcast, follow on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown and at theleadwmowan.com. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Opening theme by Brian Boyko from freepd.com. Now it's time for your host, Lee W. Mowen. Now when you start listening to this episode of The Gem on the Queen's Crown, I know what you're probably thinking, but esports isn't sports. Spoiler, that'll come up later. It's a topic that I found interesting, and I feel like it's growing enough to warrant an episode about it, so here we go. So your brief premise on eSports, it's a mass competition with multiplayer games. It's a little tough to have a mass competition with single-player games, unless you're racing them. But then, eh... So your most common genres of eSports are real-time strategies, or RTS for short. You have first-person shooters, FPS, and games like GoldenEye back in the day, or the Wii version, which her was alright, but not as great as the N64 version. That was a great game, wasn't it? Multiplayer online battle arenas. Fighters and fighting games, such as the Street Fighter series, Probably the most well known. There's Mortal Kombat, of course, there's Tekken, there's a ton of fighters out there. For Nintendo fans, you got the Super Smash Bros. series. And there's others, but these are the most popular in terms of esport competition. It's estimated by 2019 there's going to be 427 million. Worldwide watching esports, and this is from ESPN via New Zoo. 427 million people. That's a lot of eyes. Males make up most of this demographic. Males make up most of this demographic by 85%, although recently, females have started to watch a little bit more, as the number of females watching went up by 15% to now 30%. So these numbers, you know, are fluctuating like that. What's nice about esports is it's viewable on many internet platforms. Twitch is probably the big one, which is a streaming platform for video gamers out there. Hitbox, about the same thing. You got YouTube streaming, which... If you follow my coverage of high school hockey at South Metro Sports, you know that's how we stream our games. You can also stream on Facebook Live, Twitter, and Periscope. I try to do that every so often. And there's so many more platforms out there. Finding esports on the internet is quite easy. And because of the internet, you're being exposed to much more of this. And there's sports teams starting to get into the esports world like the Indiana Pacers. This is something that I found interesting and is kind of the basis of why I wanted to talk about it on this episode. You can follow them at Pacers underscore gaming on Twitter, and it's ran by Kelly Kroskopf, who is the president of the Indiana Fever, who kind of helped build the WNBA and huge figure in the professional women's basketball side in the United States. And this is from the Indianapolis Star. Uh, Way back, the NBA partnered with Take-Two Interactive Gaming, the folks that own Rockstar, who make the Grand Theft Auto series. I'm sure Grand Theft Auto is pretty out there and people know about it. They also own 2K Games and 2K Sports, which make the MLB, NBA, and WWE 2K blank series. The blank means which year it is it's like 2K18. Well, that'd be this year, or 2K19, which would be the next series, I'm sure. It puts the ownership of Pacers and Fever into younger eyes. So, they watch these people play for Pacers and Fever gaming. They watch that, and it's like, hey, I want to see the Pacers or Fever. That's the whole gist and the whole get-go of it. So, what happens in... These teams, you you get to draft video gamers. It's just like you know the NBA draft. Since we're talking Pacers, you pick the best ones available, or at least you try to. You try to pick the best fit, the best overall talent, yada yada yada. Well, you do that in video games. You pick who's the most polished in any game. You don't just want someone that can play Call of Duty, but then you swap over to NBA. It's like, how do I, how do I a dribble? How do I a shoot the ball type of thing? You get what I'm getting at. There's nicknames for the video game players or gamer tags. They're similar to, you know, roller derby names, but let's be honest. Roller derby names, they're, they're a little bit cooler because they're about derby. Whereas gamer tags, it could be, you know, you and like... Lee destroys all 88 or something like that there's some clever ones out there not all of them there's some that are just usernames there's some that you know just made up so again going through it Pacers gaming takes on you know other franchises the Celtics have one Portland has one I think the Cavs have one I'm not sure if all of the NBA franchises have a gaming franchise But it's a fairly neat idea. I mean, think about it. You're exposing video gamers to kind of the sports world. I mean, you're getting drafted. You're being told, play your best for us. You're wearing the gear. Well, not quite the gear of the Pacers, but Pacers Gaming actually has a logo. What's the uh, mascot? Is it Boomer? Bowser's the dog. I don't know if the Pacers still use Bowser or not, but it's uh, Boomer. And it's, you know, logo of Boomer. Celtics have one close to the original logo. Portland's one kind of looks like an 8-bit version of the Trailblazers logo, which is kind of neat. So, these teams are being ran just like a normal sports team, except instead of playing basketball in this case, you're playing video games. And sometimes the video games could be basketball. So, looking up more on this topic... I found out there's actual drug abuse in esports and playing video games. I don't know why that surprised me, but it did. If you think about it, it's quite common actually. I mean caffeine, I don't know where you stand on that. Energy drinks, you know, drink enough and you're pepped up and you can stay for stay up for twenty four hours and play your video games like that. Now There's a darker side to this, other than just caffeine, you know, energy drink, one, can't kill you, can it? it Depends on where you look, of course. Now, stimulants such as Ritalin, Adderall, Valium. Now, the big worries on this, other than you're cheating to keep yourself up and play your best throughout and focus. Addiction. I mean, once you take one, it's hard to stop. Once you keep doing it, it's, you know, your body constantly craves it to stay at what it thinks is peak efficiency. You got overdosing, which is a big thing, not just in this topic, but I'm sure you've heard the crisis of heroin around, you know, Montgomery County. Weight loss, serotonin syndrome, meaning your body, I think it's the syndrome where your body can't produce enough serotonin, therefore you can't sleep. You know, sleep is kind of important. Now, you might be surprised by this, but on a source from Eurogamer, PEDs are not illegal, they're frowned upon. And this is by the International eSports Federation yes there's a international Federation on eSports as you might have heard from the title on that they're not illegal granted you might be able to tell if one can keep focus on the video game and then you know stays focused on that you might be able to tell but there's some there's some tournaments that you know tell you no. It out. But according to the International Esports Federation, no, it's not illegal. So, the big conversation piece, as you probably made up your mind about 10 11 minutes in to this episode, are esports actual sports? The big talking heads will tell you, in a majority, no. And don't ask the people on Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel. As when talking about this, the panelists laughed out loud being asked, Hey, is esports actual sports? Yeah. My opinion is no, they're not sports. The thing is with sports, a lot of them require physical ability. You You need to be able to dribble a ball. You need to be able to shoot. You need to be able to turn on a fastball that might be coming in at 99 miles per hour. I'm not saying that eSports isn't a competition, because it is, but for regular sports, you have athletes that are on strict diets, a healthy regimen of hitting the gym and keeping in shape, keeping the body maintained, and being able to survive a long season. I mean... Your shortest season is the NFL with 16 regular season games and then the playoffs and then preseason, which you're currently at four in this 2018 year, but you take a lot of hits in football. So again, keeping your body in shape is a big, big thing. So no, I don't think esports are real sports. The real big thing you need to be able to do in eSports is press a button. If you're pressing a button rapidly, then, yeah, you're going to to need a lot of thumb strength and the strength to be able to hold a controller, which sounds crazy. But if you hold that long enough, you know, your hands are going to get tired. In these competitions, who knows how long they really last. So you're going to be holding that controller. You're going to be hitting the buttons, rotating the controller stick, now, like I mentioned, in sports, you got to stay in shape. Not everyone can play sports. Yours truly is definitely in that list of can't. Most people can get in the video games. Again, yours truly likes video games, although my newest system is a GameCube which was released in the early 2000s. That shows you the last time I bought a video game system and video games. It's been a while. Video games, to me, they're easy to pick up and play. Once you learn, you can have fun with your friends. But eSports, you really need to be on your top game. Because you're playing against the best of the best. You're not just playing against your buddy for the first time. You're not just having fun, kicking back. You really have to know a lot of games and how to play these games. you got to be sharp. you got to be as sharp as and even sharper than your competition. So, these are competitions, you bet. Absolutely. The spirit of competition is alive, and there's plenty of trash talking to boot, which there's some tournaments that will frown upon, and it's punishable by Banhammer. That's a video game term, which I'm pretty sure hasn't been used since Halo 1, but Banhammer basically means you're out you're ejected so there you go so no I don't think it's a sport but it's a competition because you're battling against some of the best video game people out there can you see this growth into local Cincinnati and Dayton Ohio sports quite possibly MLB signed a video game company and They run it similar to Pacers Gaming. Actually, I can see the MLB trying to get the younger crowd in by signing with a video game company. Maybe EA Sports out there. I'm not sure. But run it similar to Pacers Gaming. You can have the Cincinnati Reds draft you and it's like, you know, go duel for us. So you can have Reds Gaming. What would the logo look like though? I don't know. Now, the big thing of esports is these aren't new. I can guarantee you, at least since the 16-bit era, they've been happening. It's just the internet has made it possible to see these, made it possible to spread the product out type of thing. Because video game conventions are nothing new. You've had fighting conventions, I'm sure, since the Street Fighter II the Street Fighter 2 was released which is Super Nintendo and Genesis 16-bit era back in the early 90s I think 1992 if I'm not mistaken. Could these happen around here of course look at the arenas that we have the Nutter Center University of Dane Arena bb and across the river US Bank in Cincinnati. I'm sure, you know, Millette Hall would be fine at Miami if you wanted to bring it to Oxford. Not sure if that would be a thing, but there you go. There's that. And basically, what you need... You need to have the strongest internet, of course, because you're streaming out there to the world. And if it's a big, big tournament, you're going to need a lot of bandwidth to boot. So, you know, good luck with that. I could see that happening. I mean... Video gamers are very loyal as well. I mean, once you like a series, there's there's exceptions, of course, but once you like a series, you can't wait for the next one. I mean, let's talk about my video game taste. Uh, I like Nintendo stuff. I mean, again, I haven't bought a video game since about 2004, but you look forward to the next big franchise game out there. So, that could happen. I mean, NBA's trying this, trying to get some new eyes watching their product, and I think it's pretty ingenious. There's a lot of people out there who like video games, a lot of people that have Xboxes, Playstations, the Nintendo Switch out there. That's the new Nintendo console. As I said, Nintendo Switch, I don't know why I had to clarify that. So... I don't know if we'll have like a pro video game franchise team anytime soon in the Cincinnati-Dayton area. It's happening in Indianapolis, so it could happen here. Again, I mentioned esports, not actual sports, and if you ask a lot of sport personalities, they'll probably agree, no. But actual competitions, yeah. There's something for everyone. Video games have gotten to the point where it looks close to lifelike I mean, your graphics are a lot better than the 16-bit era and the 64-bit era I mean, the graphics are getting there and if you like a game just for graphics then you're in for a bad time but video games are able to do so much more when they first came out back oh, what was it, the 60s? 60s, 70s? The Magnavox Odyssey, you know, was basically blocks and lines, and there you go. There's Pong. Have at it. Atari, you know, you think back on the Ataris and the blockiness and just the colors, and then 8-bit era, and 16-bit, you're evolving so much. Video games have come a long way. Like I mentioned, video games aren't for everyone. I understand that. But they do provide another, you know, type of escape. I mean, working in sports, I don't know if you can qualify that as a type of escape from real life, but you get what I'm getting at. It's something to release real-life tension and pressure out there. I did... Pass up the fact that there are big championships on this. You got your League of Legends champions, the Call of Duty championship. You pit against the best in a first person shooter. A FIFA E World Cup. There's actually an E World Cup out there. You represent what I assume could be your country or your favorite team or your favorite nation, I guess. Well, favorite team would work too. You got Dota 2, which I'm not quite sure what that is. Uh Capcom Cup, which is Street Fighter and Capcom versus Marvel. Marvel versus Capcom. Where you have Street Fighter against Marvel heroes and anti-heroes or villains, if you will. Which by the way, if you remember about 20 minutes ago, that was a new opening and I actually have 3 of them. You've heard the rock one for a couple episodes now. There's the villain one you just heard. And there's another one I'm not sure if I'll ever use, but there you go. So back to it, there's a Super Smash Brothers tournament. It's been in New Jersey since 2009. It's called Apex. There's millions around the world. I mean, in Korea, China, Japan, on the eastern side of the globe, on the western side of the globe, and Europe's got a couple as well. I'm sure they do. Although, I'm not sure about... Uh, Japan, I know if you release video games in Europe, it used to be the frame rate was knocked down to 10 to fit uh, PAL, as over here in America and United States and Western Hemisphere were NTSC, so the games run a little bit slower across the pond. Not sure if that's still a thing. It was back in the 16-bit era, and I'm not sure if that's changed with these new New waves of video games and everything like. Again, with these championships, they're able to stream out to the internet and you're able to watch these players battle each other. If you're there live, you get all the trash talking, all the oh and the excitement, which I'm sure there's streams that have that too, but you get what I'm saying. So, video games as sports, not a sport, but it's as competitive as one. You know, as I start to look down the little outline I make for almost all my shows, that's all I've had typed up. It took a while to think about it. I don't know if, you know, there's going to be video game tournaments that need an announcer. I mean, if there there are some, thank me, Lee W. Mowen. Follow me on Twitter, the Lee W. Mowen but this could bring in a lot of jobs if you think about it, too. And I'm not talking about, oh, put seats down once the tournament's over, put seats up back again, arena stuff. I'm not talking about that. I mean, you got a lot of companies out there that are putting their logo and their money down on these. They're getting sponsorships. And you got to have people push that through. So I think it could be a good thing. I don't know what you, the listener, thinks on this topic. You might think it's a silly one to talk about in episode 56. You might agree with me that you think it's kind of cool. It's not a sporting thing, but I can see the competition side. You could be screaming at me and just wondering why I decided to talk about this for an episode when just coming up at about 23 and a half minutes pre-edit. I thought it was something that you know it's getting into sports. Who knows if it'll be a big thing or it'll fizzle out. It could be as big as sports in a couple years. But esports is happening whether you like it or not. And I tell you what I'm gonna do. If you want to share your opinion, And I'll retweet it from the podcast Twitter, Gem on Queen Crown, or post your response on the Facebook page, the Gem on the Queen's Crown. I'd love to get some feedback and opinions on this. Might make it, you know, its own episode. Might just share it and retweet it. But get some fan interaction going up on the social media pages. So I think it's time to update you on local Sunday sports. I'm sorry, local... Hashtag local Sunday sports. So, the Dayton Dragons, as you might know, are on a 13-game road trip, and it hasn't been too kind to Dayton. In fact, Dayton was in the top spot for a playoff spot. Now they're looking up as, I think, almost all the teams have eclipsed the Dayton Dragons. I think Great Lakes is a half game out or possibly in the wild card spot at this very moment. They're playing some better baseball right now. Dayton is 2-9 and nine on this road trip with series droppings at... Fort Wayne at West Michigan swept at Lansing and currently lost the first two in a four-game set to the Great Lakes Loons, who in a couple of days, I think the 25th of August, if I remember right, are going by the name of the Great Lakes Camels. You know, because Camels are quite popular up in the Great Lakes area in Midland, Michigan. Actually, there's an interesting story to that, because think their first year as Great Lakes they had Rally Camel and that's made its way to the video board and it's become a love part ever since and Great Lakes is going to be known as the Camels for the 25th their Twitter feed has already been named the Great Lakes Camels with the Camels logo someone's asking are you kidding me we don't kid about camels on hats replied the loons Still on Twitter at Great Lakes Loons, in case you want to read the story. It's kind of interesting, but I don't know if I fully agree with every team needs a second identity. At least Great Lakes didn't go for food this time. Thank goodness for that. That's kind of getting old. In fact, you know, you can thank Macon Bacon and Savannah Bananas and the Jacksonville Jumble Shrimp for my displeasure in teams being named after food. Stop it. Anyway, Dayton Dragons. They're 2-9 on this road trip with two more to go. They'll be back home this Wednesday. And this is the last month, the last full month of the regular season. There's three games in September, and they're road games for the Dragons. Recently, the second baseman and shortstop, Jeter Downs, was called off injured reserve. Outfitter, Mitch Piotnick, was released. Right-hander, Nuri Zabala, the pitcher that tied Hunter Green for a while for the fastest pitch thrown at 101, Green threw a 102 miles per hour fastball in his last start and it turned out to be his last start in Dayton. It only went two innings we were told he was sick and apparently there is a UCL sprain, which is a partial tear in the throwing arm of Green, so that does it for his 2018 year, he'll go to think Arizona to rehab we'll see what happens to Green I predict he's done a lot better lately his ERA was at one point close to 14 now it's at four something I feel like he'll get advanced day next year or a tiny bit of time in single a if that but Hunter Green is no longer pitching for the Dragons he's on the injured reserve and he won't pitch again in 2018 for the Dragons. Also left-hander Andy Cox, who was a strong part of the 2017 playoff team, he is off the injured reserve as well. So again, Downs, Zabala and Cox off the injured reserve, Piotnick granted his release. A couple years back, I think he was an 8th round pick in 2015 for the Cincinnati Reds. Heard he was a nice guy, pretty good outfielder, very good throw. I mean, that guy could dish it. However, he was batting close to 181 the last time I checked. So the Dragons, 2-9 on the road trip. They've lost six in a row. They were swept by Lansing, and according to the Lugnuts, Lansing went 11-0 against the Dragons at their place, which is Cooley Law, Stadium. Law School Stadium. Sorry, Cooley Law School Stadium. In other Midwest League news, Fort Wayne has a former Wright State Raider in Danny Sexton he was called to Fort Wayne on August the 10th and his first game was at Lake County went one and two thirds of scoreless baseball walked one, gave up a hit and struck out three against the captains so it's great to see former Raiders former Flyers and former Sinday people doing great things out there Danny Sexton now member of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps trying to think if we play Fort Wayne at all at home probably need to have the schedule up in front of me to let you know that in the meantime we'll go ahead and tell you about fc cincinnati they continue to have a a top firm in the east of the usl currently 14 wins six draws and three losses they have won four out of their last five and that fifth game was a draw. They're currently five points ahead of Pittsburgh and Charleston. Charleston coming into Cincinnati on the 18th at Nippert Stadium. Louisville City in fourth place, 39 points. That is nine behind FC Cincinnati. In fifth place, New York Red Bulls, two with 35 points. Nashville SC, 34 points. Bethlehem still in seventh with 33. And just above the playoff line, should the season end today in the USL, is Indy 11, who's nine 7-5, 7-5, and five wins, losses, and draws with 32 points. Just a point ahead of the Ottawa Fury, and two points ahead of North Carolina FC, and four points ahead of the Charlotte Independence. That is a big logjam for that last playoff spot. Currently, Indy 11 has it. Pittsburgh back to second place, by the way. Charleston still up there. Louisville City in fourth place. A couple points ahead of the Red Bulls' second squad. Going back to the Dragons schedule, your next home game is August 15th, like I mentioned. It's actually against Lake County. Lake County comes in for three, Bowling Green in for three. Dayton has a small road trip to West Michigan for three, then comes back home. Four against Lansing, an off day on the 28th, and three against West Michigan. So, no, Fort Wayne is not on the schedule anymore. The last three games, I believe, are at Bowling Green to close out the regular season, and yes, indeedy, with an afternoon game on Monday. Try to find some standings up in the Midwest League just to let you know how tight everything is. Go to current standings. Remember, Bowling Green and Lansing, they already clinched their playoff spots in the first half, and in the Midwest League, you can't double clinch and just go straight to semifinals. There's four teams that make it. Bowling Green is in first place. they've had a marvelous year at 29 and 20 Lansing 28 21 just a game back of the hot rods. Your playoff race looks like this in the second half. West Michigan currently the second half winners should the season end today at 24 and 24 are the white caps. they're the single A of the Detroit Tigers. Fort Wayne is two games back. they have the playoff spot at 22 and 26. the wild card spot I should say. the tin caps. Single A of San Diego. Great Lakes now 22-27 and with two games against the Dragons left. Winners of five in a row. They are just a half game back of Fort Wayne for the wild card spot. South Bend is one and a half back of Fort Wayne. The Cubs, single A of Chicago Cubs. And Lake County is two games back of Fort Wayne. The captains, single A of the Cleveland Indians at 20-28. And lastly, Dayton has fallen to twenty twenty nine on the second half nine games back of first and three and a half back and one in their last nine so tough tough stretch for the dragons doesn 't mean the season's over, but time is running out, and you have to take care of business now last night 's game was very good by last night I mean last afternoon. And the Dragons fell one to nothing. Great pitcher's duel. Packy Naughton went five, I believe, for the Dragons. Packy's having a great year. He should be moving up next season to Advanced Day. So Dragons season's running out. There's four more home series for Dayton in about span of two weeks. Go down to the fifth third field and catch yourself some baseball before school starts. And just in case you're wondering in the West it was Quad Cities and Peoria, your first half winners in the West. Cedar Rapids would be the second half winner. Beloit, two and a half back of first. They'd be the wild card. And that's three and a half back for Wisconsin. That's four back for Kane County. Clinton, eight of first. And Burlington in last place at 14 and 32. And of course, Cedar Rapids, single A of Minnesota, Peoria, single A of St. Louis, Beloit, with Oakland, Quad Cities, who is the first half winner there, single A of Houston and the Astros, Wisconsin for Milwaukee, Brewers, Kane County for Arizona, Clinton for the Mariners, and Burlington, the Los Angeles. Los Angeles, Los Angeles Angels of Los Angeles, formerly Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Formerly Los Angeles, Angels of Los Angeles. Anaheim, blah, blah. Anaheim Angels was the last name before that. Hey, guess what? College soccer is happening. Yay! This announcer is quite pumped. Last night was my first game announced of the 2018-19 year. And the Raiders women's soccer team went 1-1 one one in the three exhibition matches. They lost at Butler 4-0. Couldn't complete the game at Dayton. The Flyers were leading... 2 nothing, I believe late and the Raiders won 3-2 to at home against Bowling Green last night and two of the three goals were scored by first year Raiders that's a very youthful core the Wright State brings in I'm excited to see how well they do in fact if I go on my Twitter account to see the likes twitter.com slash the Lee W and twitter.com slash gem on queen crown if you like to follow and why shouldn't you I'm a lot of fun on Twitter. Your results may vary. Scrolling down on the like. Wright State is picked to finish first in women's soccer. This is from Chris Henderson at Chris underscore AWK. That's not short for awkward. That's short for all white kit. The projected Horizon League standings, Wright State is a half point ahead of Milwaukee because the Panthers graduated a lot of talent. Still very dangerous team. Milwaukee is one of the strongest teams in the Horizon League for women's soccer. And the Panthers also host Wright State this year. So it's Wright State for the projected Horizon League standings, followed by Milwaukee, then IUPUI, UIC, Cleveland State, and Northern Kentucky, your six teams make the Horizon League Tournament. 7th place, Detroit Mercy. 8th place, Youngstown State. 9th, Oakland. And 10th, Green Bay. By the way, if you don't know, I don't know why you would know, but Green Bay got a set of new logos. They're still using that Phoenix bird they unveiled, God, 11 years ago. That's a sharp logo still, the Phoenix bird. That's a nice logo. But they went with a new new words mark And new logo, it's pretty nice. They got rid of most of the red. It's now just that dark shade of green. A little bit darker than Green Bay Packers green, I'd say. And silver, so... Yeah, logos. Like I mentioned, that's the projected Horizon League standings for women's soccer. And hopefully soon I'll be able to talk about Horizon League men's soccer and Atlantic 10 women's and men's soccer. The season officially begins this Thursday... Dayton and the Flyers are at James Madison. Wright State will be at Louisville, and the Raiders will be home first officially in 2018. This upcoming Sunday at one against the Toledo Rockets, and yours truly will have the call. And I believe it's on ESPN Plus. I'll send you a link when I know. Men's soccer will get underway with a couple exhibitions. Wright State will host Longwood this Saturday at three, and UD will host Ohio State at seven. And this announcer is lucky to be able to do both that day. Volleyball will get started at Wright State with an exhibition at Miami this Saturday, and UD will host their red versus blue scrimmage at the Freak Center. And form of uh, former Right State Raider Austin Sipe, a former Raider golfer, is competing in the USGA—that's United States Golf Association—US Amateur at the Pebble Beach and Spyglass courses this week. And this is from on Twitter at Wright State Golf. Congrats and go get him, Sipe. Something else in Dayton on October twentieth at the Kettering Ice Arena dayton fire hockey club and the pink ribbon girls will team up and host dropping the gloves against breast cancer and they'll be against the toledo police october 20th at six at the kettering ice arena like i previously mentioned it's hockey go out and do stuff i'll go out and root for the home dayton fire squad and maybe i'll be there i'm not sure it'd be cool but come out to Kettering Ice Arena. They'll have raffles and an after party at Bar Louis at the Green after the match. Not sure if I covered this point in local sports yet. But former Dayton Flyer baseball coach Tony Vittorio is now in charge of the Wilmington College Quakers. His first year in action will be 2019 this upcoming spring. Congrats go out to Coach V. Good guy. And can't wait to see what he does with the Quakers. So what to expect out of this podcast? Well, next week, which might be episode 57, 58, depending on what I do for the next episode, is the high school football episode. And I promise it's not just, here's the schedule, go see it. This is more, how can you listen to these games? What that schedule looks like. And who to follow on social media. I want to make it where... You don't have to look a long way to find ways to follow high school football. I thought about doing a cheerleading episode. And no, that's not me cheerleading. You don't want to hear that. Trust me. It's about making cheerleading a competitive sport in the OHSAA. I think that's an interesting topic. So... We'll see if that's episode 57. It probably will be, let's be honest. Again, twitter.com slash gem on queen crown and twitter.com slash the Lee W. Mallon. Go follow those, please. And Facebook, give me a thumbs up and a like at the gem on the queen's crown. And visit com for all your Lee W. Mallon needs. That would do it. That's episode 56. And that was about e-games, e-sports. And hope to talk to you again real soon. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Closing theme provided by Roy Matz at RoyMats.com. For every available platform to listen to the podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. For podcast updates, like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. On Twitter, follow the podcast at Gem on Queen Crown and the host at The Lee W. Mowen.